0: Hello everyone, this is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you're tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell. We're going to talk about an eating disorder that not very many people know about. It's called Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, commonly known as ARFID, A-R-F-I-D, ARFID. It's an avoidant disorder of food very different than anorexia, bulimia, or any body dysmorphia type of problems with eating. This often starts very young, before most eating disorders start. And it's about being very, very selective with what foods these people will eat. It isn't just children. Sometimes it's adults as well. Uh, Back in DSM-IV, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, version 4, we called it selective eating disorder. Now in DSM-5, it's called avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And this is different than picky eating. Many kids go through picky eating phases where they, they'll they only eat certain foods or they won't try something new. But this is very different. Kids with RFED and even adults with RFED have a lot of problems socially and emotionally eating. So let me give you some of the symptoms and then I've got a special guest who struggles with RFID who's going to talk to you about what it's like to have this type of eating disorder. So here's some of the symptoms of RFID. There's an eating or feeding disturbance. When you're trying to get them to eat, you're feeding them. There is a lack of interest in food. Uh, the avoidance is often based on sensory characteristics and concern about adverse consequences. Now, not everyone with ARFID is afraid of eating, like they're going to choke, or somehow the food's going to make them die, but that is often a symptom for many ARFID people. Uh, there's usually significant weight loss. These children and young adults and even older adults are often very underweight, In children, it can stunt their growth and falter their maturity. There's significant nutritional deficiencies that happen. There's often a dependence on external feeding, like feeding tubes, if their weight gets so low that they become in danger of dying. So there's a lot of disturbances that are happening on an emotional level that keep these people from being able to eat. So it's attributed to sometimes some anxiety and depression and some other mental health sort of issues like OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, but it's often not attributable to any other medical condition. It's something that's happening within them psychologically. So the risk factors are biological, for example, being on the autistic spectrum or psychological maybe having suffered a childhood trauma like a choking incident or a trauma with uh, death and grief and loss and it's associated with the socio-cultural issues people with aphid ARFID often have trouble going to a birthday party or a family barbecue. Social events are very difficult for them because everybody's saying, why aren't you eating and come on, try this, it's fine, it tastes good, you'll like it. They get a lot of social pressure to eat because other people get very uncomfortable. So some of the warning signs and symptoms of ARFID are dramatic weight loss, Uh, They often dress in layers to hide their super skinniness. There's a lot of stomach discomfort and gastrointestinal things that happen, um, constipation, things like that, that are very hard on their body. There's often a very dramatic reaction to the amount of food they're given or the type of food that they're given. Some of them have a fear of choking or vomiting, They often express a total lack of interest in food or no appetite, or they get bored with eating. They'll start to eat, and they just lose interest in what they're eating, and they shut down. Many people with ARFID have a very, very limited range of foods that they will eat. It's not unusual for them to have five or six foods, and that's all they'll eat or one type of food. For example, sugar-type things like cookies or candy or cake. Uh, because their mouth is used to that sweet taste, are used to a certain sour taste, and they won't let anything else new come into their mouth. There isn't a d- disturbance in body image either. This isn't the body dysmorphia or the fear of fat that you find in anorexia or bulimia. This involves a very different kind of psychological process. So once they're beginning to be malnutritioned, there's all the things that go along with that. Menstrual irregularities, difficulty concentrating, um, dizziness, fainting, uh, sleep problems, dry skin, brittle nails, their hair falling out, muscle weakness, poor wound healing, uh, uh, poor immune system, and signs that their body's just kind of shutting down. There's emotional consequences that go with it as well, such as lack of motivation, depression, anxiety, super tired, can't get themselves going, and that all plays into depression and anxiety. So, ARFID is an eating disorder, but it's not the same as eating disorders such as anorexia or bulimia. And it isn't just picky eating. It's beyond that, and any parent of a child with ARFID will tell you, oh, gosh, I wish he or she was just a picky eater, but it's beyond that. So we're going to talk with a special guest today who has struggled with RFID since she was about three years old, and I can speak to this from a family perspective because it is my 15-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Allison, and we call her Allie. I call her Allie baby, (laughs) and she's sitting right here. Hello. (laughs) So we're going to talk to you about her experience, but I'm going to share briefly with you what it was like in our family to watch Allie begin to develop this eating disorder. When she was little, she would eat a number of things, and she had a much wider repertoire of food than she has now beginning at about age age three, she started systematically cutting out different foods. And I have a vivid memory of her being about three and a half, maybe four years old. We were trying to get her to eat a piece of chicken. And we finally got her to take a bite. She took a bite, tried to swallow it, and immediately started throwing up on the floor. And she was very upset. The whole family was very upset. And About age three, when this happened, we began to enter into a time where the whole family was constantly trying to get Allie to eat. She and her mom lived with my husband, Rich, who passed away, who Allie calls Papa, and he was one of her favorite people in the world. But we all started battling with her. You have to eat. You've if you don't, you can't get up from the table unless you try this. We ranged from yelling at Screeby, then trying to discipline and trying to coerce her and bribe her, everything you could think of. We had a prize box on top of the refrigerator that if she even took a bite of something, she'd get a prize. That didn't work either.
1: I rarely got the prize. You rarely (laughs) got the prize. That's true.
0: But it was so stressful. We actually said, all right, until you eat something healthy, you're not getting anything else to eat. She she was about five at the time, and she went three days without eating until all of us said, we can't stand this anymore. And she just didn't care. You didn't care if you ate or didn't eat.
1: Yeah, um, a symptom of ARFID is actually typically not being aware that you're even hungry. So you can't really react to that usually. Like It I wasn't a tell, motivator for you. I couldn't tell that I was hungry. I couldn't feel it Right. because I'm so used to, my body is so used to not having all of those Supplements mostly, so.
0: um. We finally, uh, she was finally diagnosed as on the Asperger, on the autistic spectrum. And she's very high functioning. She mostly has sensory issues with her autism. uh, But she's also got what she calls her special, her special powers (laughs) from being autistic. She has an incredible artistic ability. And she has this beautiful singing voice with this incredible pitch that we often believe she has perfect pitch. And she's also got a true gift with musical instruments. She's awesome. And I'm not prejudiced at all. I'm just grandma. (laughs) But we were all so upset by the time she was about five. And by this time, she was starting to be diagnosed on the spectrum. We ended up taking her to a nutritionalist who specialized in autistic kids. And she gave us a piece of advice that I think saved all of us. She said, stop fighting with her. Stop trying to get her to eat. Have her drink two nutrition drinks a day, like in Shores or Pediasures, Shores, and then leave her alone. And we did that. And we drew the line in the sand and said, you will drink two protein-type shakes a day, but uh, full-spectrum nutrition, and we'll leave you alone. And we did. And once she drinks those shakes, then we don't bother her if what she eats for the rest of the day is her few foods that she'll let herself eat. So I'm going to let Allie talk to you now and tell you what it's like to struggle with ARFID. It's it's an interesting disorder, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, actually, I only recently discovered the label ARFID probably a couple months ago because it's so rarely talked about that... Mm-hmm. I had no idea what this label was and the only reason I found out about it was because my mom was researching eating disorders for a uh, assignment she had for school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out I fit under all of the criteria and it typically comes with being autistic. That is an eating disorder that comes with that usually um, when you have sensory processing. And I think it needs to be talked about more because that could really help a lot of people to know what it actually is. Well, I thought it was really
0: interesting that you asked me if I knew what it was. And here I have a doctorate in psychology. (laughs) I specialized in eating disorders for years. And I've done a ton of work with eating disorders. And I had never heard of it in this framework either. We've, you know, of course, I know about selective eating disorder, but it was really downplayed and not as clear as this ARFID is. Mm -hmm. So how did you feel when you figured out that there's a name for what you struggle
1: with? Well, at first, I didn't believe that that was probably the label because I've been trying so long to find a label for it to figure out what it was. I was like, it's probably not that. But then when it turned out, I met all of the criteria. I was like, oh, my God, I can finally, like, see people who relate to me Um, because, you know, the things, the foods that I eat, it's so limited. And it's rare to find other people who view food the exact same way I do. Tell Um, Tell us what you'll eat. Well, my main foods, it it is hard to talk about because people judge me or they're like, oh, that's not healthy for you. It's like, don't you think I know that? Um, but french fries are pretty easy to eat. And you'll eat french fries from almost any place. Yeah. Um, pepperoni pizza. But that's, I've gotten better, but I mostly eat it from specific places. Um, but you've gotten better at being almost willing to
0: try pepperoni pizza from a different place. But you have to see it first and... See if it meets
1: some kind of internal criteria. Yeah. Um, I have gotten better, though, with just trying it. it. used to be that I wouldn't even go to a different restaurant. Like, if it had that, I wouldn't even attempt. Um, I right. eat plain spaghetti noodles with, like, salt and pepper. I eat buttered toast, but only from a specific kind of bread, and that sourdough bread. I It has to be specific ingredients. Like, when I go to a restaurant, I have gotten better about asking for grilled cheese because I used to not eat that anywhere at all and I only started recently eating grilled cheese probably a couple of years ago which was huge and then um, often you won't
0: yeah but I will go to a restaurant and I'll say get a grilled cheese sandwich and you'll say no no I, I try
1: I do I have tried it at a few places and I have to specify exactly how I want it cooked exactly what I want it to be made from you know I can't because if it's not that exact thing I will not even touch it and It's difficult. I mean, it's not my choice. It's not like I'm choosing to avoid it. It's... Right. You're not just being stubborn. It's like something is grabbing me by the shoulders and holding me back. What does Uh -uh. that feel like inside, emotionally? It's stressful. It feels like I can't move forward no matter how hard I try. Mm -hmm. I need to expand my palate if I want to be healthy. And as much as I really, really want to, I can't. And people are like no you just don't want to and it's no I really it's really like not a choice it's like it's not me choosing this like when I have tried new foods and like how she mentioned that I threw up one time trying it I've that's happened a couple times it's not a choice like when I try new foods I'm trying so hard to swallow it and all of a sudden my body forces it out of me like makes me throw up and it's not a choice I can't stress that enough it's well and 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 everybody
0: even tries to scare you. I do see you either get judged or people try to scare you into it. Or we sit down and have really in-depth talks about it. Like I tell you and your mom tells you and your dad tells you, Mm -hmm. I'm worried about your body. You're nutritionally deprived. We worry about malnutrition with you. We don't want you to have to get to a point where you have to have a feeding tube. And sometimes after we've had those real heartfelt talks, I see you pushing yourself a little more
1: Mm
0: -hmm. to to acknowledge that your body needs food
1: well sometimes even with my safe foods that I've ate like all my life you know I've never had a problem sometimes my ARFID tries to get the best of me and it makes me hyper aware of what I am eating it's like I'm aware of what is what I'm tasting right now I'm aware of what it's made of and it freaks me out and I try to ignore it, you know, because it's like it's like my brain is immediately trying to cut that food out. And I'm like, no, stop. I, I want to eat this, you know, right. like the other day, my mom made me a grilled cheese and I usually love her grilled cheese, but I was eating it. And all of a sudden I was aware of what I was eating and I was aware of all these ingredients. And I don't know why it just freaked me out and I couldn't eat the rest of it. And I was aware of what I was chewing. It can send me into panic attacks.
0: Um, well, and I and I watched that happen for you. And there's there's elements to it that I think people don't understand. Like, for example, you will eat a scrambled egg and a piece of sourdough toast, but only if you make it or your mom may, makes it. Yeah. I remember she said, my mom makes it just right. And I said, who do you think taught your mom to make scrambled eggs? <laughs> we laughed, but it didn't count.
1: Yeah, it's, I think, probably one of the most difficult things about Arthur, I mean, other than the health issues, is um, explaining it to other people. Because people are so quick to judge and think they understand it, and it's really or people tell me like when I tell them I have this eating disorder, they're like, "No, you're beautiful, and I'm like, "It's not about my body image, it really isn't it i'm isn't. not I'm not insecure about my weight, in fact, I want to gain more weight, but it's feels impossible. The most I've ever weighed is um a hundred ten pounds, um, and you're five eight yeah, um no five nine and <laughs> You grew another inch. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I was telling a few friends about it because they are like, oh, you haven't ate all day. Do you want some of my lunch? And I explained that, And they're like, well, what do you eat? And I say, I tell them, and they're like, that's not good for you. And I'm like, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that wasn't good for me. <laughs> You're extremely smart. That's a great point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the family gets very frustrated sometimes because she'll have a food in her repertoire. That then all of a sudden will be out of your repertoire. Uh Like for example, you used to eat vanilla yogurt, and that was I always kept vanilla yogurt in the refrigerator for you. And then one day it's like, no, I don't like that. I'm like, what? You've eaten that for years. (laughs) No, it's off the table now. Yeah. And so, uh, but but you've expanded it. Like I can keep almost any kind of French fries in the freezer, and know that you'll eat them.
1: Yeah, I mean it is it's just difficult I remember one time uh, sleepovers are especially difficult Mm -hmm. but um one time I went to a sleepover with my friend and my mom explained to her mom that like here are the frozen french fries just cook these for you know my mom's uh my friend's mom threw them away in front of me and lectured me for two hours about how you are going to eat this food whether you like it or not and you're not gonna call home you're not gonna go home you're gonna eat this and it was difficult. And I was only like seven. I didn't know how to explain what, you know what I mean? I didn't know how to explain how this was not, (laughs) she can't just change this, you know? And didn't
0: she make you eat a piece of fish?
1: Yeah. Like, of course, that's the food that she tries to make me try. It's not even like a simple food. She, she described it as crunchy fish. And I, I was sitting there crying and I forced myself to eat it, but I threw up and she got mad at me for throwing up. And it's like, it wasn't throwing up either. Like, I really can't control it. It's like my body rejects it without me trying, and it's really—I know it's some—it's not my body technically. It's a psychological thing, but well, I watch you
0: sometimes trying to eat a piece of something and trying to swallow it, and you
1: can't. It's really hard. Like she, my grandma has literally offered me a hundred bucks to try (laughs) a piece of food, and I'm like, okay, let me try it. And it's—I want the money. I want to try it. but <laughs> what 15 year old would not want somebody? <laughs> but then i like we were at a japanese restaurant and i was trying tofu i'm trying so hard to swallow it because i want the 100 bucks but i threw up and i was trying so hard i'm like please don't please don't i just want this but and you did I, not get the 100 bucks yeah <laughs> we I have firm up. boundaries <laughs> i threw up and it's hard to i mean it's definitely just hard to talk about this with people um I think one of the hardest things is people asking me, like, how are, how are you still alive <laughs> based on the few foods I eat? I think the only foods that I eat that have some source of protein are uh, scrambled eggs and bacon. You um, love bacon. Good bacon. Yeah.
0: And it has to I don't be even like
1: just right. I don't even like eggs that much, but I do make myself eat them. Um, but that's probably, other than my protein shakes, I think that's, like, the only... Healthy thing that I eat. I don't eat, mm-hmm. and it's not just me like this. There's billions of other people with arfid like this. I don't eat any fruits, any vegetables, um, any sodas. That's another thing. People will be like, "What? You haven't tried this kind of soda? Are you crazy?" And I'm like, "Nope. I, I just you've ever had a soda? No, never. And you like milk and chocolate milk. If I have had a soda, I spit it out immediately. I just, I can't take that. <laughs> I don't drink." lot of juices the only juice I drink is apple juice so I guess that does count as a fruit in a way but it's mostly sugar yeah not really um so I do have a very limited palate and bacon um and grilled cheese those are actually things that I made myself try like no one asked me to I made myself try them they're such um simple foods though I can't eat foods that are like a huge mixture of stuff Right. I can't eat like... Like spaghetti with sauce on. Like meatballs. Yeah, I was just about to say that because that is like too many things at once. I can't do that. I need it to be simple. A texture I usually prefer is like crunchy, um, but not like too crunchy. You know what I mean? Just like well done. It it really... It's just difficult. <laughs> I mean... It's a challenge for you.
0: Yeah. and And part of the challenge is the social aspect. People invariably say to you... Oh, you're just being picky. Or just try this, you'll like it. Or uh what's wrong?
1: Yeah. Or, or they'll like, call you anorexic. Yeah, I've had um one time I stayed at my friend's for like a weekend and her family did I hadn't gone in the full lecture of my eating. Just usually the easy thing to say is I'm a picky eater, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and they're like, "Oh, we're going to change that." And it's like, "I bet. <laughs> I bet you are." <laughs> Another thing I wish you were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another thing that's difficult about Arfid is not being aware that you're hungry. My body is so used to not having these supplements. It's kind of adapted to it in a way. Um not that it makes it any like okay, you know what I mean, but it's kind of gotten used to it and figured out a way to survive. So well, I'll tell you, you haven't eaten all day. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess I haven't. I can't feel
0: it." Or I'll stand there and hand you your nutrition drink and stare at you till you drink it yeah you don't even fight about it anymore, but it's a a silent battle of wills until you get the
1: thing down, <laughs> or even if I haven't ate all day, um I still feel full sometimes, so like i'll I'm pretty good now nowadays making myself eat. I try to you know like at least one thing a day, but even I'll make something and I'm like, I don't have the motivation to eat this i I can't eat this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it has gone to the point uh where I go couple weeks without eating very much not like not eating at all but only eating like one small thing a day so my body can't handle that and my hair starts falling out um I start getting too weak to stand up or do anything but you passed out at school one day too yeah I've passed out a couple times at school in second grade I passed out too because I hadn't ate um yeah or we had um I have to have special accommodations usually too which is really difficult um, socially because people think I'm just trying to get my way and that, you know, I have to have things my way. I can't just live like everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I deserve special treatment and really it's about my survival. Like we had a camp at my school that we went to for a week. Every sixth grader went. I had to have special foods made for me there. And they did it. Yeah, they did. But it was definitely, I remember walking down the cafeteria with like my french fries you know and everyone was like why does she get french fries why does she get that and it's it's like all eyes are on you
0: well that was the only thing you ate the whole week
1: yeah they made uh, plain noodles for you too i think no they made waffles too for breakfast um but and they made me drink a protein shake every day but that was difficult all eyes are on you everyone thinks you get special treatment and it's it's just hard it's hard going places and staying places knowing that, you know, what if this person can't accommodate to me? Um, so, yeah. Well, and what I
0: see you do is if there is no accommodation for this eating disorder that you have, you just won't eat. Yeah. You shut down and you get quiet. Uh, sometimes you put your noise-canceling headphones on because sensory issues are hard for you. Uh, sometimes you bury yourself in your phone and you just check out.
1: I, and there's makes, and then, then if anxious. somebody says
0: come on just eat something then she's totally shut down and you don't eat.
1: Yeah. I mean if I can't have those accommodations, I usually turn down the offer to go somewhere then. I'm not going to, you know, I don't like the humiliation of people who aren't willing to accommodate there have been um families that i've stayed with you know friends for sleepovers that they have been wonderful with accommodating and helping me or they're like where do you want to eat let's go get what you want you know what i mean and that's like a blessing honestly <laughs> yeah. it's really rare when people and usually they don't even make me explain it much when they're just understanding that's probably the best thing you could do for someone like me is just be understanding and don't act like you know everything <laughs> Yeah, and don't act like you've got the
0: answer yeah.
1: for your RFID person. Like you think you can cure me. Like I've had so many people think they can just cure me right then and there, and it's like, right. no,
0: you really can't. Well, and one of, one of the ways that RFID is you work with it is you do a, a slow, very slow sensory introduce, introducing of a new food. So if we took a very bland food that you might be able to consider Starting to think about maybe eating
1: <laughs> that is how i that's how you do it it has helped for a couple foods but even that is hard um I mean, well what yeah, we it's... talked
0: about is finding a food that you're willing to take a risk on mm-hmm. and that she can touch it she can smell it she can put it in her mouth if she's ready she can spit it back out she doesn't have to eat it or swallow it, and she can do that for as long as she needs to until her brain says this food is familiar. Yeah, I mean... No pressure, like, we wouldn't, you wouldn't get yelled at for spitting it out or yeah. vomiting if it came to that.
1: We've definitely gotten used to accommodating to this over the years, but at first, when I wasn't even diagnosed as autistic yet, um, it was definitely really confusing for the family, and I know... I mean, you guys were very strict and disciplinary, but not in a mean way. You were really worried for me. And oh yeah,
0: we're we're not abusive at all. No, no, <laughs> no. So it, her getting yelled at wasn't even getting yelled and screamed at. It was more like, "Please, Allison, eat. you have to eat something, and you're not getting up from this table until you do." And I, I, and you just sit there. It means forever. a lot to me that they even cared enough to do that. So, oh, it, to this day, it scares the whole family. It scares me. I that, think that's well, we're
1: afraid of losing you. People think that I just don't care about it, but really, it's incredibly scary for me. A a thing I often think about is. How long do I have to live until my body just says, I can't handle this anymore. I can't live off of this. And it
0: scares the whole family.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember when we read
0: an article about a young woman who was, I think, 17 or 18. And she had only eaten McDonald's chicken nuggets and french fries for years. And then she died. And she died. And she died from malnutrition. That terrified me. Sometimes I still think about it and I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah. Every once in a while when I see you not eating... And being more food refusal than you usually are, that pops into my head and I get scared. Yeah. But that's one reason we draw the line at the nutrition drinks, because we know that you drinking at the minimum one a day and hopefully two a day, it's going to help give you some basic nutrition to keep you
1: yeah. healthy. So uh, definitely something that I wanted to cover, though, this isn't a common label. And I'm surprised because I know there are a lot of people who have it. Mm-hmm. And when I found out this label, I researched it and I saw people making videos about their palates. And I'm like, that's exactly like me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think something important is that we definitely spread awareness for this. Because people, when I say I have an eating disorder, it people say, oh, you're beautiful. Don't worry about it. It is not my body image. This isn't my choice to eat like this. I don't choose to be so avoidant of this. It's really, like, not my control. I am not insecure of my body. It has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Accommodations can really help for people with ARFID.
0: Well, as soon as you relax and you're not anxious, you do
1: much better. Mm -hmm.
0: And so if you're anxious about being judged or there's not going to be something for you to eat, you're on high alert.
1: Yeah. And definitely don't point out someone with ARFIT don't point out their body weight because that's a common joke is you're so skinny you're like a toothpick and it's like okay don't point out anyone's body weight in general but like that
0: one woman at your school that decided to call you skinny Minnie. yeah and she calls you that all the time she was a cafeteria
1: lady (laughs) and she thought it was funny and it was like you know I'm used to that I have I've had a lot of you know skinny nicknames over the years but it's like you just shouldn't even if you don't have an eating disorder don't point out someone's body weight You know, Mm -hmm. it's, you never know what is going on. You never know what the real reason they have that way is. And you never know how much that can affect someone. And I'm pretty sure most people who are like me with arfid are used to being pointed out for being skinny. Like, I'm used to it. I don't get sensitive. I'm not sensitive to it anymore, you know, but. You've come a long way as you've matured. Yeah, it's just, it's definitely annoying. I think something I've definitely learned from having arfid is how ignorant people can be. And how unempathetic people can be. Well, and often they do it in the guise of being well-meaning. They do, but they they have a hero complex. They think that they can save me. They think they can fix everything as if multiple doctors and my entire family and me haven't tried that already. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when somebody said
0: to me, make her sit there until she eats what's on her plate. And I said, oh, yeah, because that's really worked. Yeah. Like 4,000 times that we've tried it. Yeah. yeah, it's they don't get it that it's a huge struggle not only for the person struggling with Arfid but the family around you that worries for you and cares about you.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely aware of how much that affects other people too, which is another hard thing about having Arfid is you know there's nothing you can really do. As far as at least as far as I'm aware, there's nothing I can really do to fix that. And it's difficult, you know, cuz I have to watch all these people be sad for me. I have to live in constant fear of my health with not a lot of resources to fix it, you know, because there's not a lot of research put into this. And antidepressants have helped you some. To, yeah. To lower they have helped me. depressive, eat. anxious. I do have um, depression, which also is a combination between that of why it's hard for me to eat sometimes. Right. But it's definitely helped. I think it's just the main thing. The main struggle of having ARFIT is just feeling out of like you don't have any control. Mm-hmm. You don't have any control over this, like you're powerless. And well, you
0: end up feeling like an outlier, like you're not really accepted, and yeah. you're always a little
1: bit different. I'm yeah, it's difficult. I mean, especially with holidays centered around food, Thanksgiving never been never been a fan of that this is this is Allison at the
0: thanksgiving table here's your plate of french fries honey
1: yeah i mean it's nothing special everyone's every once like,
0: in a while she'll have pepperoni pizza on her plate while the rest of us eat turkey and gravy and stuffing yeah
1: i mean everyone's like you so excited for thanksgiving break oh yeah just a regular day for me <laughs> yeah i mean those kinds of things are difficult or barbecues parties i i think just the most difficult thing is um sleepovers especially but i have usually, like, scrambled eggs is a good resource for me. I've learned to be like, can I just cook an egg real quick? And they usually let me, but I remember one family didn't. um, And they made me sit there at the table with them and eat, like, mashed potatoes and stuff. And I just kind of pretended to eat it. And then I actually purposely spilled my plate and said, oh, now I can't eat it. I'm I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And they weren't mad. They actually did think I spilled it on accident. But it was on purpose because... They forced me to eat a lot of things I did not want. So Well, and
0: that becomes almost abusive to you
1: when yeah. somebody wants to
0: force food down your throat. Yeah. and yeah. And again, people mean well. Like there's probably people listening to this that say, well, just do this or just do that. Or mm-hmm. I used
1: to be a picky eater until. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's difficult. That's all I can really say. It's not... People who have this hero complex thinking they can save me and thinking they know everything about this when really they've never even heard of what ARFID is. Right. And that's the main reason we're doing
0: this podcast today.
1: Yeah. I really hope I can, like, spread some awareness. And I'm probably going to be showing this to my friends. Um, People who know someone who has ARFID or has symptoms of it, talk to them about it, you know? This is an important thing. Having this label, discovering this, has definitely helped me Realize, hey, I'm not alone <laughs> and there are resources and there's people who understand exactly how I view food, how I view this topic. Well, and the stress and the emotional upset of all of this, and you're
0: so articulate about it, and it's so brave of you to be vulnerable and share what it's like. Because in doing this, I have a lot of listeners, and they're going to be saying, Oh, that sounds like what I have. Me, yeah. Or my daughter or my son. Because it isn't just females that have this either there oh, are it's everybody there have... are men that have it and there are boys that have it and it often starts from a pretty young age and it's
1: typically um comes along with being autistic
0: having autism ocd anxiety depression often play a role in this and sometimes we don't know what comes first
1: yeah. For like, me, it's definitely my autism. Yes. <laughs> as we, My sensory processing.
0: As we figured out that your sensory issues of too much sound, too much light, chaos in the room, um, textures, taste, touch, those are all things that you have on the autistic spectrum. And those all play a role in the ARFID.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, that's basically... That's so, the gist.
0: <laughs> so if Allie and I were going to try and give you some advice, her what I'm hearing her say is leave people alone. Not, you can ask them about it, but you basically yeah. want to say, what's it like to be you with this?
1: Just be understanding. Try and don't act like you know everything. Just don't, be understanding and be empathetic. So don't give unwanted advice. Just be there.
0: Just be supportive. Or here's a here would be a good example. Tell me what you can
1: eat or you like to eat, and we'll go do that. Yeah. Or I'll I'll make note of that so that if you come over to my house, I'll be like I'll get that at the store first. You know. Yeah. Or, There's always stuff at my house that you can eat.
0: Yeah. And that's not an accident. I
1: have a few friends who do keep um, specific foods for me at their house, and all all my family members do, obviously. And yes. It's it's just a lot more helpful when you're actually understanding and you actually try to listen instead of solve it
0: yeah don't fix it because you're assuming that everything isn't being tried already
1: yeah and don't just assume that it's because of my body image either I am I personally am not insecure with being overweight or anything like that um, I'm not really insecure anymore about being underweight you know what I mean I right you just If you want to understand, talk. Don't act like you know everything. Ask about it. Yeah, let the
0: person explain it to you. Mm -hmm. And And you might say, I listened to this podcast on RFID and refer them to it. Mm -hmm. So let's go over a couple things from a therapeutic standpoint that might help someone with RFID. Getting them into therapy so they can explore the stress, the depression, the anxiety, so they can gain some coping skills. For example, now at 15, if Allie went to spend the night at a friend's house, she might bring her own food with her. I do. And so then she knows she has something to eat and she can say to her friend's parents or whatever, I have special eating requirements and I brought them with me.
1: I usually don't even go to a friend's house because it feels, even if they are willing to accommodate, it feels like I'm a burden. And that's a huge issue with ARFID. You feel like you're a burden to everyone. and You feel like you're... Like high everyone... maintenance. Yes, exactly, high maintenance.
0: Well, and it's like it's comfortable for you to come to my house because I always have foods you can mm-hmm. eat, and we can talk about this. And I even tell her how worried I am about her nutrition and and her health. Mm-hmm. So we talk really openly about it, and I love that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you're trying to help someone you know with ARFID, listening and understanding is good. If you've got a child. Or a family member with it, you might encourage them to get into therapy, not to fix them, but to have an outlet to talk about the stress, the challenges, resources, the resources, mm-hmm. the embarrassment. Also, if you go to the National Eating Disorders website, there is information on RFID. There is also a special a book that a mom wrote. Her name is Stephanie Elliott. I think I've got her last name right mm-hmm. called Sad Perfect. We just ordered it. We (laughs) just ordered it. We're going to read it. Uh, Sad Perfect (laughs) is their journey with Arfid, this mom and her daughter. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it. So the other thing is successive approximation, which is a psychological term about taking small baby steps towards something that you're uncomfortable with whether that's you're afraid of dogs or you're afraid of heights or like a client i had who is deathly afraid to drive across a bridge mm-hmm. we do successive approximations which are tiny baby step steps toward the thing you are afraid of and let your mind and your body relax and accommodate the small steps so with aphid, that might look Arphid. like afid <laughs> <Arphid>, sorry yeah <laughs> i have to get the r in there ar F-I-D. Yeah. Yes.
1: She Um, only just discovered this label. Yes.
0: And that's why we're doing this podcast, because it blew my mind that I had not heard that the DSM-5 changed the selective eating disorder to this. Oh. Um, But what you do, one example we said is, okay, if Allie picked a food, say a chicken breast, that you could cook with seasonings that she does like salt and pepper and she likes red robin seasoning on her french (laughs) fries sometimes so if we took that seasoning that she likes cooked a chicken breast put some tiny pieces in front of her that she could touch and maybe smell and maybe put in her mouth and roll around and feel it she's she's cringing right now (laughs) then she can spit that out and she could do that For as many, it's exposure for as many times as she could do it, for as many days as she could do it until maybe one day she could finally chew it and swallow it. Yeah. And then her brain would be going, I know this food, kind of like you do with grilled cheese. It's not your favorite thing, but you say, I can do this.
1: I do like it a lot, but sometimes I'm just kind of hyper aware because it is a mixture of foods. Like I said, I don't do well with two combinations. More than one, yeah, more than one ingredient like that. And- so sometimes I'm hyper. Sometimes it's really hard for me to even chew food, um, and that's also a common uh, symptom of arfid. It's having like a issue with chewing, being aware. of
0: I that. often tell you to slow down and chew your food because you'll just put it in and swallow.
1: Because I don't like chewing. <laughs> I don't like feeling what is going in my body like that. I it's.
0: It's hard. a very <laughs> interesting eating disorder, and it's extremely challenging for the person who has it. And for their family around them. And then, go further out from that, your friends, watching you not eat at school, Mm -hmm. um, are saying, you always bring pretzels. For a long time, you brought pretzels to school. People
1: ask why I don't eat lunch, and it's because there's nothing that accommodates to me, you know? There's no
0: sandwich you can bring. Yeah. and, And you won't just eat a piece of bread. Yeah, no. But she'll bring something like pretzels. Yeah. I can't think of anything else you would bring.
1: I... I bring like crackers, but usually I don't eat lunch at school and I wait to get home and then I make myself my actual food.
0: We used to send protein shakes with her to school, but either she threw them away without opening them Mm -hmm. or came home with them.
1: I think blood sugar might also be a big issue. Mm -hmm. Physical health, it's hard for me to do things for a long time like running and, you know, like... PE stuff. Yeah, and people think you're just... You're just unfit, like in a lazy way, or I don't put any effort into it. I could sit there and do push-ups for like two hours. It would not make me any healthier. It wouldn't make me have any abs, you know, because I don't have the physical strength. I don't have that health. My body doesn't have the nutrition that it requires to be able to do that stuff. So I'm kind of limited with that. I do try my best, but... How do you feel about that? What's the emotional impact on you? Well... People, P.E. is definitely difficult at school. It's kind of embarrassing. Like when we're asked to do push-ups, I really can't do it. I don't have that physical strength. And, like, sometimes I remember I went to a basketball camp over the summer one time and I passed out in the morning because I didn't eat. My blood sugar is well, an you issue. probably hadn't eaten for days, too. Well, my blood, no, I just didn't eat breakfast that morning. My blood sugar is an issue because... You get low blood sugar. Yeah, my body can usually kind of put up with it if I'm not doing stuff like, you know, running around, exercising like that. Like, if I were to not eat all day and then go and, you know, run four laps, I would pass out right there. Right. But if I were to not eat all day and then kind of just hang out around the house, that's different. My body has... I do think I've definitely adapted to quite a few things. Um, Like, I've definitely adapted to having a certain diet that not a lot of people would be would able to survive live. on. Yeah. Because right. over the years my body has like which is an amazing thing, my body has found ways to survive off of that. But it's not I mean it's not a brag. It's not a flex. It's a bad thing. Yeah. But it's saying, definitely do do as I do. Yeah. It's not like you could survive off this anyway. It's just it is I am thankful for that that I'm at least still functioning, you know, yes. enough. Well, and I think
0: a lot of that is attributed to you drinking the nutrition drinks every day because that gives you some baseline of nutrition. Uh, you also take vitamins and vitamin D3. Um, mm-hmm. So you your mom gets you stuff to try and keep you healthy. So we want to mostly introduce this topic to everybody so you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, If you're a medical doctor listening to this, recognize that this is a a variation on an eating disorder. It's not like anorexics or bulimics. Like Um, I didn't get
1: this label from a doctor. That's how like rarely used it is. I got this from my mom researching eating disorders for a school project.
0: Right. She's working on her degree in psychology. Yeah. But it's (laughs) interesting because I knew you had an eating disorder because I've specialized in eating disorders for years. But I never knew this one was what it was called. mm -hmm. So, and I knew I would have said she's very avoidant. She's not necessarily anorexic. She's extremely selective in what she eats, but this defines all of it.
1: Yeah. So if you've got this
0: and you're listening to this, don't lose heart. And you might try the thing that we have made Ali do, and that's exposure. Exposure, and also drinking one to two nutrition drinks a day. Two is good and they need to be the full spectrum nutrition drinks not just protein shakes like ensure or pediasure is way expensive but you can get the ensures at costco um and buy a big 24 pack of them and you get vanilla or chocolate um uh, it's
1: sometimes they do taste kind of funny but i mean it's an, it's better than you know it's easier I yeah guess you it's just and you for- down it really fast yeah. And
0: that helps. And you like the chocolate nutrition drinks from Costco.
1: And it helps. It
0: Yeah, they're, I think they're called Whole Nutrition.
1: I think if there weren't so. protein shakes, I'd probably be dead. <laughs> yes. I don't think I would have made you... it this far without them, because I've been drinking them since I was like, what, five, four?
0: Yeah, five, by kindergarten at least.
1: Yeah. So
0: I hope we've helped some people today. I am deeply appreciative to Allison, who... <laughs> Her vulnerability and her honesty and how articulate she is about what she struggles with is absolutely amazing. It makes me very proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) So thank you for joining us, Allison. And thank you, everybody, to listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and all I want to do is help heal the world one hour at a time. I'll finish this episode with the beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. You can go to his webpage, randymcginnis.com, and check out all six of his CDs. They're all different. They're all beautiful. His music is so peaceful and so relaxing. He's won awards, Native American Music Awards. He's the Flutist of the Year for several years. Uh, He's played all over the world. He's an incredible musician and an amazing man. Thank you, Randy, for allowing us to use your music on therapy in a nutshell.